Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty. This episode features Lee and Jeremy Edelman. They are the co-founders of Artists. That's the really super cool makeup brushes that you've seen around for several years now. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Barry Beck. He's the co-founder and COO at Blue Mercury. I hope you enjoy the shows. Oh, wait, one more thing before we start our show. I'm thrilled to announce that Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast is a media partner with the Beauty and Money Summit in New York City this September. I really think you should check out their website. There's so many compelling case studies of how this event brought together independent brands and finance to create incredible growth. Please check it out. If you're going to be there, let me know. I'd love to see you at the event. And now here's the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am sitting in our small recording booth (laughs) with friends named Lee and Jeremy Edelman, co-founders of Artiste. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Hey there. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Thank you for joining me here today. Thank you for having having us. So um, I'm giggling to myself inside because I'm thinking about the first moment that I spoke with you and learned that Artiste was not made by a big gigantic company of non-humans and was made <laughs> by, you know, right. real entrepreneurial humans. Like, I was so surprised because of the complexity of the product, yeah. the, um, the this, like, beyond new innovation that happened. I just assumed it had to come from a giant manufacturer, right? Sure. But it came from you guys. Um, and it made me laugh. <laughs> do, do, do a lot of people have that response to this brand? Somewhat, yeah. I mean, it made me cry building it, but it was good tears for sure. Good tears of of joy because it took a lot of effort. And you know, when I met the inventor and designer Matthew Waitsmith, I believed immediately in the idea. Yeah. And it was beautiful because I believed in Matthew's idea and Lee believed in me. And it was just such like I needed that from my background initially coming an investment banker and focusing on selling beauty companies to Estee Lauder, L'Oreal. I had a blueprint to see something, and immediately when this idea was introduced to me, everyone else said it was so capital intensive, why are you doing it, why are you doing it, don't do it, don't do it, you're gonna lose your money. I was fearless. For some reason, I was always taught to be so careful, yeah. but I threw that out the window. And I think it was the support that Lee provided me that just helped me say like <laughs> blinders, and just see this idea from you know, wire to win, just make it happen. So we should mention that you're married, yeah. <laughs> yes. You were partners in the business and partners in life. Um, were you married at the time of this, like, sketch on a, on a napkin? Believe it or not, no. We were, in, <laughs> we were engaged. And right. actually, that was the year that we got married, that you guys, um, we were married in 2013, and it's when all of a sudden, you know, Jeremy was helping other companies to kind of structure and sell, and I was working a corporate job, and we were trying to figure out the right timing for me to leave so that I could go do my own thing and... My background is entrepreneurial, so I was ready to do it, but we were also getting married. So we sat down and we had a conversation about Artis, and he said, I really think that I need to focus on this and this alone. And we kind of made the choice to put savings into it and that I would keep my day job <laughs> for a little while longer because somebody had to right. make, make money while we were starting something else. So um, it was kind of wild. Yeah, Lee worked and we got job, married. And she quarterbacked from, you know, the back, and it was really, really helpful. It really kind of, we had a, a defined purpose, and I think that's what helped us get through it. So let's go back to this, like, sketch on a napkin moment. Tell me about that. 
like. I remember when we were sitting in the apartment that now we work out of, that was our home, and turned into our workspace. And once I had this idea, it was just, we have to do this. It was literally a napkin. It was more of just visualizing this idea. And for some reason, I already saw it as something that was like the Dyson for you know beauty instruments. It was what Clarisonic did, but again, just for a whole new thing that was never, it was a game changer idea immediately. So once this happened, I immediately said, I need, like we said, I need to do this, figure it out, and had support, and we just took it from there. Yeah, I wasn't at that first meeting that you had with Matthew. I remember he, you had Matthew over while I was at the office, right. while I was working, and he, he afterwards showed me the, like, the drawings and the prototypes, and I said, that looks like a really, really tough product to make. And I was working in beauty at the time, and I said, but I, I get it. Like, I, I get what you're seeing. I get that you see that this is something different, and he explained to me the way that it had been described to him. Like, why are we using something that's a conventional makeup brush to apply product to our skin? And it was kind of like a dumb moment. Like, oh my God, I've been doing it wrong since I was eight years old and I first tried on my mom's lipstick. Like, what are we doing that we're still using something that was meant to go on other people? Like, if I were to take a paintbrush and paint on a canvas, that's totally different than if I take a paintbrush and now reverse it and try to paint on my face. So you kind of saw through it and cut through it and, and were able to say, like, we, we need to do this. Just, I was shocked that it never existed before. Right, it is like that Dyson moment. Right. You know, um, for me, it, it was like, the, I think the reason why I thought that it couldn't be, you know, humans, real people yeah. inventing this is because of this, like, the complexity of it, yeah. right? Like, this must take years to develop. Yeah. It's, it's like essentially a piece of technology, right? Um, and you have to figure out how to make it and make it last yeah. and make it, um, you know, prove it. And I'm just curious, how long was Matthew thinking about this before he had that conversation with before you? Before he was born. Yeah. Yeah, this was... It was a, a few years. A few, a few years. Yeah. It was, yeah. I well, mean, he... he sorry. No, I, no <laughs> See, we we're, finished we're, It's like we're in each other's heads sometimes. I know. It's, it's telepathic. Um, I think it was when Matthew retired, he said, why... What am I going to do now? I was going to just paint and do photography, and I think he still had a lot of knowledge up there and a reservoir of just different ideas, and he said, okay... I want to do this. This makes sense. That people don't really realize what, you know, people do. Half the product is half the equation. Putting it on is the other half. Right. And I think that's what was always missed. And yeah. Well, I think people have innovate. I mean, you think about it in the beauty industry. People, an innovation is like a new lipstick color or right. a slight change in formulation that becomes big news. So there's not, there aren't like leaps and bounds that happen except for once in a while. And we have, I mean, think about it, like I spend so much money on skincare products and have over the year. And you're either using your fingers or you're using an applicator and it's really inefficient. And it, it, it's like, it's a new behavior that you have to learn, you know, trying to do something that is more efficient. Like you have to unlearn how to do things inefficiently. And that's, I think, the biggest challenge is how do you unlearn behaviors that aren't intuitive, that you've had to learn, like, you know, you joke in, like, management, like, compensating behaviors, like, that's kind of what we've been doing. That's what the beauty industry is also built on, like, what are the tips and tricks to, like, figure out how to actually do a winged liner, because it's not super easy to do. So, it, the brushes are designed to make it more intuitive, right? Like, you pick them up, you, most people automatically know how to 
position it on their face. But you have to unlearn what you've been doing with a conventional brush because you've had to learn how to position it and you've had to practice so many times to figure out how to get the product on your face and you have to keep loading the product. So to unlearn that, to unlearn like the pain and the pressure that you've used if you're using a sponge to whack your face, which like seems crazy to me now that I would have ever used a sponge. Like why would I want to beat my face to put foundation on it? It doesn't have to hurt to be beautiful. You know, right. It doesn't have to hurt. Yeah. You know, this unlearning, I think, is actually like really probably one of the more pivotal yeah. marketing stories yeah. for you. And it makes me think of, um, you know, we've tried to unlearn behaviors in like hair care. Like, yeah. for example, we have a client who's um, on natural hair care, right? Yeah. So it's not going to have that slip and glide the way that, you know, a L'Oreal product sure. would. Or it's not going to have the same level of frothy bubbles. Or, yeah. like, but unlearn teaching the customer to accept that this is okay, that the differences yeah. are happening, that the product's still working. Yeah, that your hair is still getting clean, it's still getting moisturized. It's really complicated. I think one of the biggest hurdles for a brand that's really doing something different yeah. to do. So how, how have you approached that? Yeah, you know, we've been really lucky because people have fallen in love with the brushes and even if you aren't using them, even if you're using them the same way that you used your old brushes, you're still going to get a better application. You can just it can just be better if you use it more lightly. So, people have recognized that when they go to put foundation on, most people really like those big brushes because they are just delicious, right? Like they're big and soft and like yummy to look at. And as soon as you touch them, the first time somebody touches that fiber to their skin, they're like, oh, you lose them for a second, and then you have to re-explain what you just said. Um, but it really it really does do a, a better job of putting product on your cosmetic, color cosmetics especially, on your skin. So it's obvious, like there's an obvious different difference and it just feels good. So what we, what we need to do as we continue to grow is focus on the experience and because people don't love education, right? Like there are some people, beauty lovers love education. They love tutorials. They love all of that. But how do you make somebody's experience better when it goes beyond like that that group of beauty people? So how do you, people who don't like to wear makeup, I mean, there are so many people who say that they don't wear makeup. Really, they do wear a little bit of makeup, right? They just probably use their fingers or they like slap something on. And Learning that actually using a tool makes that experience better, getting that one thing that you do every day, um, whether it's tinted moisturizer, whether it's concealer, whether it's putting your eyebrow on, that it can be a better experience for you. It can be shorter, it can feel better, and it can look better if you use a tool versus using something that's not efficient. That's one of the ways that we're focusing on, you know, making this be something that people feel comfortable doing so that that doesn't feel un unapproachable, that it doesn't look like, oh, my gosh, wait, what do I do with these things now? They're really right. pretty, but I'm overwhelmed. Right. So let's go back to the beginning because that's, like, I think always, like, yeah. you know, it's all about the journey, not, not the destination. So, um, you know, you knew this was going to be a capital-intensive mm -hmm. opportunity, right? So where did that capital come from? Life savings. And then life savings, 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 and we jointly did it together, and friends and family. And that's, you know, I think a lot of people invested in me, not necessarily the idea, because a lot of, whether it's men or women, don't necessarily, you know, want to invest in the next beauty breakthrough company. So it was a lot more pressure on me, but I didn't care. I, it didn't matter about that. I just said it was hard to get outside. It it was hard to get outside investors, right. though. Like people thought that this was not worth spending money on because it was as a proposition. Everybody thinks of makeup brushes as the gift with purchase or right. the crappy thing that goes in the eye palette or something right. that you get for free. So they weren't looking at it as a business opportunity and a, like portfolio opportunity. So it was really hard for you to convince people of that, but you saw it. 
Yeah, I, think I feel it, like you're not giving yourself enough. No, credit. with the wire to win element is that we didn't compromise. So I was willing to invest everything I had, mm -hmm. and people were willing to jump along with me, the friends and family, to an extent. But other than that, that's that's what we did it. Right. So you drained your bank accounts. Yeah. Have you been able to build them back up? Yes and no. You keep on reinvesting. <laughs> uh -huh. you, know, you keep on believing that. You know what that is. It's just kind of reinvesting the dream and building right. it bigger. And I mean, yeah, not yet, not yet. So. Well, you know, you mentioned the idea of an afterthought for brushes, and it, you know, it, it it really is so fascinating to me what you've been able to build here because you yeah. you're making them not an afterthought. You're making them yeah. as important as the goop, yeah. right? But um, as someone who's been in the beauty industry for a long time, who's been using product for way longer, I have to admit that like brushes are so not on my radar. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to say it to the world, like, never clean my brushes. Yeah. Oh my I God. have, like, it's really... so bad. I, it doesn't yeah. even um, occur to me. I am more of yeah. a finger applier, but yeah. I have a ton of brushes. I have a Miss Piggy toothbrush that I've right. used, like, since high school as an eyebrow brush because I always had bushy eyebrows. Right. I that Miss I'm 42 years old. That Miss Piggy... <laughs> Brush. So it's never been on my teeth. It's only right. ever been in my brows, but it's never been washed, right? Like, yeah. and I'm saying this right. because, like, I'm somebody in the industry, right? Think about that random woman who's, yeah. you know, wherever she is, exactly. living her life. Yeah. Um, so moving the conversation around brushes is really essential. Like yeah. moving the whole universe around talking about yeah. brushes, whether they're yours or not, yeah. is really going to drive more interest yeah. in this category. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it has, and also the cleaning piece was really important right from the beginning. Um, people are daunted by cleaning their brushes because with traditional brushes too, or conventional brushes, you you wash them and then you have to wait like five days for them to dry and then they smell like, you know, a dog that just jumped out of a lake. So it's disgusting and like sometimes you're using a hairdryer to dry them. There's a there there was intention in the design. There's a lot of intention in the design of everything, but yeah. they're like I call it the lazy girl's guide to cleaning your brushes because we've we've got a cleaning system that makes it really easy. So depending on what kind of product you use, you clean or you clear the brush in different ways. And it's literally like the swipe on an iPhone. <laughs> uh -huh. You know, if you're going in between like powder foundation to eyeshadow, like you just rub it across the microfiber pad and it releases the product that's on the tips of the brushes. Like if you've been working with the brush for a long time using your foundations and your concealers, then you just use the foam cleanser to clean it off and then it dries in a couple of minutes. You're not waiting like days and days and days to use your favorite brush and like using something else in the meantime. So trying to make it easier for people and not as overwhelming. Um, but there are so many opportunities for education that we haven't tapped into yet. And that's really a, a part of moving forward is how do you create an experience and a habit that um, actually makes your beauty experience better. Like right now, and you were just saying it, people don't think about it. I mean, you probably, you have beautiful skin, so you probably naturally have that. Like, it doesn't look like you have to do a lot of work for it. Like, you have gorgeous skin. But a lot of people don't, and they do spend a lot of time working on it. They spend a lot of money on skin creams and on, you know, facials and cleaning it. But then they go home and they use the same brushes every day that they pulled out of the bottom of their makeup kit mm -hmm. that they have to then put in their $750 eyeshadow palette <laughs> and wipe across their eyes. And then they put it right back into the bag without cleaning it. And it's in the bottom of their bag usually. I mean, that's gross. Yeah, like, it's very gross. People very don't think secrets. about it. Yeah. It is. And and you're spending so much money and time and energy on your skin looking great and your makeup looking great. But it's a big problem if you're making your skin sick by using something that's dirty. So it is something that people just don't 
don't think about it. It's like they, it's like it's become okay to not clean your brushes, but clean your face. Right, right, well, right. That's what I would do. I'd ask all my girlfriends primarily. It's like, how often do you wash your face today? This, this, twice. And they look at me like I had four heads, and I said, oh, when's the last time you wash your makeup brush? And they looked at me, and I like cringed because it's just not a learned behavior. It's not something that people feel like they had to do, and it's just. I don't understand. Everyone's always washing their hands. Why not just make sure you wash something that's touching your key orifices on your face? Right. Yeah. You right. wouldn't. So. You wouldn't use the same toothbrush over and over right. again and like drop it in the bottom of your bag. That's right. You right. would change it like every couple of months. Right. Like you're dropping the toothbrush and throwing it away because it like fell on something. But I'm taking yeah. that makeup brush, like you said, that's in the bottom of my drawer. And yeah. Just getting tossed around that drawer. Yeah. It's disgusting. I know yeah. it's disgusting. I have to say it out loud. It's like important <laughs> to reveal, right. you know, right. because it opens a conversation. Yeah. Other things that are in the bottom of your drawer. Sometimes people buy makeup products and they buy it and they don't know how to use it so they put it in the bottom of the drawer. Right. With our brushes, they can actually take those products out and actually apply them in a much better, more efficient, effective way. So I think that's what we're trying to do is open up opportunities, make this a whole learned experience where, you know, get courage, build that, you know, confidence and do it with our teeth. So Well I think I think that's what that's like kind of a truth at the base of the brand. Like we aren't standing there in judgment at the mirror, like we, the brushes where they're developed to like help you have a better experience, not to say like your face needs to look a different way and you should use this like to edge your nose differently. It's more like this is now angled for you to use it on yourself and it's meant to mimic the way your fingers move across your face so you're not having to awkwardly, while you look in a mirror and do it backwards by the way, like be, un be even more uncomfortable with applying something that's meant to be used by somebody else to apply to you. So, you know, we want people to feel like they're getting a better experience and a more intuitive experience. And people are getting it. I mean, we started with one electronic storefront, one, and now we're in over 600 drawers. Almost 600, yeah. Oh, almost 600. Yeah, so, I mean, right. it's picked up, you know, pretty quickly. Right. And it's exponential at this point. So I think we just want to keep on building on that story. And that was the perfect time to segue into bringing Leah more on board full-time when she left her past position and said, okay, let's target the next generation and see how we can take it to a whole new level. So I feel really lucky to be surrounded with brilliant people. So let's talk about the launch because you did something that I would say like happened to like like away luggage too. Like you, you didn't right. exist in my mind and then all of a sudden you're yeah. everywhere, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's the, um, the secret sauce these days is to like really, really, really cultivate a plan in advance of the launch and launch in a huge way so that all of a sudden I feel like, oh, where did this brand come from? Right. Yeah. Um, so what... What did it take to do that? Because this was like, you know, you had a lot of people supporting you on social. You had a lot of storytelling from makeup right. artists. What was happening behind the scenes to get that done? It was internal, too. I mean, we, we got a lot of people who, through relationships, believed in what we had and what we were doing. I mean, Net-A-Porter was the first retailer that saw it. And David Olson was like totally, sorry, David, a cheerleader for us and a big visionary in that way. And it's like... Once people got on board, everyone was like, oh, I'm coming along for that ride. So well, it was. I think, like, to your credit, though, it, it, some things are really basic, right? Like, you have to have a good product. Like, you can put lipstick on a pig, but, like, it's only cute for so long. You know, you, we started with a really good product, and uh, it was supposed to be a slow, thoughtful growth strategy. And it, it was. It was still thoughtful, but it was just much faster. Do you know what it was, too? Hey, you interrupted. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go, Go ahead. It. it was authentic. Again, coming from background where I was always buying and selling and rebranding companies, it was telling the best story that actually looked ostensibly really attractive. This, it was. 
I mean, the idea that Matthew meant it, it really was amazing just to look at, to feel, to actually use. So it was just, we were working with some really great, you know, products. So once people got on board, it was just, right. Well, and I think it was getting the people on board, though. No, it's okay. We're working on that. <laughs> um, I think it was getting the people on board. And I think, you know, to your credit, because I wasn't there at the beginning doing this, because I was, it's like somebody had to have a corporate job um, to pay the bills. But... We, sorry, (laughs) but we, you, you know, the goal was this is not going to be something that you can buy and pay for. You have to convince people that this is something that's worth their time and worth them changing behaviors for. So it was all done through earned media and, and earned relationships with like key influencers in beauty and lifestyle and even fashion. So getting like really having the sit down one-to-one with, you know, editors and beauty influencers and people who did the tutorials, people who who would be able to share it. It was about that authenticity, the third-party credibility, because really once you sit down and explain how the brush works and you do the demonstrations and they feel and touch it, it's an experience, right? Like It's not like clothes where you can look at a gorgeous dress and think, oh, I want to wear that. You look at the brush and you're like, wow, it's interesting. You have to experience it. So they knew that it was about that experience. So it was, how do we get the industry to jump on board? How do we get how do we get the people who will care about this first to jump on board? The early adopters in beauty, the people who are going to tell all of their beauty fans, the people who are going to care about it. Because if you don't get those people to believe first, it's going to be really, really hard to get the population, the broader population who doesn't really care that much about beauty, but it's part of their lives to care. So that's where you started. And, and you know, people, once they did feel and touch the brushes, cared about it. You know, we, we didn't have to pay makeup artists and influencers because they it really helped them. Right. <laughs> like, it made the experience better for male and females. I, I know that you have, over the years, we've worked with a lot of makeup artists on sets of movies and TVs and movie, you know, movies and TV shows. And They have to do so much makeup all day long on the actors and actresses that are in that, and the actors and actresses like feeling something soft on their skin. They don't want to feel something that's swatting their skin all day, because if you're on a shoot for 18 hours, it doesn't feel really comfortable to have to consistently have your makeup touched up. So you can, you know, fix concealer without having to add more concealer if it's pilled by using the Oval 4 to just, like, rub it across the, you know, glide it across the skin, so you're not having to constantly pack more product on, and it was really interesting to think about it from that perspective, like their experience was just better. And that's really what the intention was when the product was designed. So we were able to get those people excited and involved right away. So we had those credentials and then have continued to build on that. Right. So um, I would like to let you know that I grew up in a household of interrupters <laughs> and I didn't know it. Um, so I guess I want to pass this along to you. So I'm talking with my mother and my grandmother, anyone in the house. It's yeah. like you start, a, you start something and then they ride over you with mm-hmm. new words. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that I picked that habit up. Like that's just how I live my life. Right? It's all you, all you know. Right, what you know right. is all you know, and then it wasn't until I had kids that I realized, um, oh, I do this. <laughs> so in our household, because I have two kids and my husband, like we work really hard, and it is hard work so hard. to not interrupt each other, to like stay focused on like that child who's talking to me right now, even though the other child's come trying to come <laughs> in and enter the conversation or change the conversation. Um, but I do feel like I have to unravel that learned yeah. behavior. So I just wanted to share Thank that you. knowledge. Thank you. It's active listening, right? And that's what I'm learning to do more and more. Yeah. Um, back to what you were saying, too. I think you asked me how long this was at the beginning of the conversation. It was dog years. It was every, you know, every week was like a, a month 
Every month was like a year. Meth Malcolm doesn't, doesn't work out. But anyway, <laughs> it was all times we were doing walk and talks, desk guides, every possible way to actually communicate the message so people really understood and had that aha moment was like, oh, I want this. I need this. I can't live without it. So. Yeah. So was this like, you know, I told you I felt like you didn't exist and then all of a sudden you existed mm -hmm. in the landscape. Was it really not that definitive? I just, you know, the momentum just happened at like. Oh, it was um, planned. I mean, it was, it was definitely planned in terms of I held off launch for six months, which was hard to do because I wanted to make sure all the moons could be aligned as best as possible. Mm -hmm. Nothing's perfect. And I think that's what Lee helped me do is realize that, Jeremy, it's going to be perfect and you'll be doing this for years before you even launch. But it, it was planned to make sure that everything was timed, whether it was through digital, whether it was through you know, print, whatever it was, it all happened at once. And I think that's what really made sure we more momentum and it kept on going. Right, so this is actually really challenging for a lot of companies to do, which is to be a little patient in the process and yeah. to do that forethought and that planning so that um, you know, this mentality I see all the time is if you build it, they will come. It just doesn't happen, yeah. right? You don't make a product and people are always gonna care. They're not gonna right. care, right. Right. you yeah. have to make them care, but that takes time, yeah. right, and a lot of work. Right. Um, and you can see it working, it worked with you, it worked with Away, there's like you know, a yeah. handful totally. of brands we can point to that like did the work ahead of the yeah. launch. Um, so I'm hoping that our clients are listening because this, it really can pay off, yeah. right? And make a bit much bigger grand yeah. slam. The delayed gratification is really hard, especially when you're a founder culture and you're like every minute, every cent counts, right? It's really hard to wait and time things out and pace things out. But there were some key benchmarks that I know that you guys wanted to hit and also, you know, retailers wanted to come on. So there were some things that they had to wait on before they announced. And then <laughs> was so it was, I remember like the pain of this every single day because it was like right the year after we got married and we were like gonna, I was, it was challenging. Yeah, <laughs> but, but then, you know, holiday of 2014, 2015, mm -hmm. um, by that time, like when everything had hit and we were in all the new retailers and all of the news kind of built at that point, like we saw the success and then it built from there and it was really, really exciting. Totally agree. And it's definitely patience, like you said, and it's respect. Mm -hmm. It's like you can bake a cake, doesn't mean people are going to eat it. So you have to make sure it can be great. You have to be make sure it's timed properly so everyone's hungry or ready. And that's a really like hard, you know, balance to maintain. And I think it's a continuous thing, personally and professionally speaking. Yeah. So I think that's something that we always learn. And it's I was always taught network, 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 but it's the relationships and how you respect and patiently grow them too. And it's just it's so important just to actually remember that because it's not just about checking the box. It's about do you want to? Is it right for you? Is it the right time? Are you the right person? I think that's what I'm continuously yeah. learning. That's what's helped me differentiate what I'm doing from what I'm not doing. Right. So what you're saying is really important. It's um, I do think a lot of marketers or brand owners are like, hey, let me check the box. I you know yeah. I reach out to influencers today. I reach out to yeah. the press today. I reach out to retailers. Right. But it's about being meaningful. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. It's not just about impressions. And everyone's like, oh, impressions, ROI, and all these terms. And it it feels good when you're getting good ROIs or whatever that means. But it's it's not even only about the conversion. It's about getting that lifelong continuity and that customer who's going to maintain that you know loyalty to you because that's I mean that's everything that's everything we have and that's something we do want people to learn and enjoy and to experience more and more so. yeah and it, it's it's a challenge to line up all the right timing it has to be like the right um, emotional mood it has to be the right time of day month year and you have to hope that something 
earth shattering doesn't happen in the meantime too. And that, that, cause that can impact a launch or it can impact like an entire sales like season, you know, holiday is huge for us. Um, so you have to make sure that you're prepared for it. And one thing too, all of all your listeners, things will happen. Things you can't plan for will happen. How do you pivot? How do you audibleize to make that move? So like you can't see everything, you know, and I saw it, but I had to be agile and make sure that I can actually switch when something didn't go the way I wanted to go. So what's an example of something not going the way that you hoped? Um, secondary packaging. Didn't necessarily come in on time to assemble the brushes. Brushes were there. Secondary packaging wasn't there. So how do I make sure, besides driving to Newark Airport, to make sure I can pick them up quicker? How do I expedite to make sure that you know, the retailers are happy, the fulfillment house can get logistics done? Like, it's just making sure that you know that, back to that patience thing, that it will come, but you have to make sure that you have the ability to Reevaluate a, a situation. Well, and also, also like as as we grow, and that's a big part of like the forward mo movement is you can't do everything. You can't scale if you're doing everything yourself. Like it's just not possible. So how do you build in the teams so that you're not the one going to Newark to like meet something at customs to make sure that it gets escorted through customs faster so that we can get the brushes assembled and like sent out to the retailers and all of our customers fast? How do you how do you make sure that you build in a team to support that? Growth, so that you which can really focus happened, on the vision. Which really happened. While well, I'm on the phone with the editor, trying to like get some coverage for holiday, and but sometimes you have to do that. You have to wear a lot of different hats too. So, you know, everyone at Artis, we work together. You know, no one's too good for anything. We wear a lot of different hats, and I think that's what makes sure that we have that camaraderie that really helps us take things to the next level. Yeah. And Lee, you just um, walked right into my last question, which is about <laughs> scale. Yeah. Um, you know, like I think. This, a brush is not really a consumable, right? Like, I, I can keep this for a long time. Yeah. I mean, eventually, maybe I'll replace it, yeah. right? But um, what does that look like for a company where, like, you know, I'm investing in this tool, yeah. like a hair dryer, right? I'm investing in this tool. It's going to yeah. last me, I don't know, eight years or whatever it is. Um, what does scale look like for your yeah. brand? So, you know, it's interesting. What we've learned from consumers is their behavior in using products. And like you said, most people don't clean their brushes. Even if you have a cleaning system and you have cleaning directions and like you've FaceTimed with them through customer service to show them how to clean it. So we, we do get repeat customers on brushes, but I think the, the bigger thing that we get, you know, repeat customers are on all, are the consumables like the cleaning system. So people use that a lot. People also buy brushes for gifting. Mm -hmm. They buy it for friends, for family, for their bridesmaids, for mother of the bride, for host and hostess gifts. Um, you know, the palm brushes are something that those are the ones without the handle. People use those to put sunscreen on, like men and women oh, use those. Um, so there are, there are lots of different uses and ways to use the brushes. So it's, you know, some people buy multiple sets because they want to separate out what they use for skincare versus what they use for cosmetics. And then some people like to travel with a certain set versus the other set. So there are different things for different purposes and different reasons in someone's life. Um, some people also just like to buy them because they're pretty and they put them out in their living room, which I think is like hilarious, but I'm also like very impressed by. Right, it's like instead of having like a, a beautiful vase of flowers, I have a beautiful couple yeah. of brushes. Yeah. It's true though, and I think the paradigm shift also is that 
you know, Jody, you, you don't have one pair of shoes. So right. Why have one collection of brushes? And I think that's what people really are. Once you get a cool fit, like fan favorites, like let's just join and get every different yeah. collection that we yeah. produce and right. every different product that we offer. I'm loving this idea of the brush as a gift. It's like instead of buying a host gift as a yeah. candle, right, I can buy yeah. a brush. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really fascinating. Yeah. And they're really pretty and they're really easy to gift and, and you know, like holiday, we were, one of the things that I think was really surprising to us is that we expected more people would buy certain SKUs of the brushes, right? Like singular SKUs of bigger brushes or tiny brushes for this. But people love sets of the brushes. We have a three, five, and 10 set. And it's crazy how much faster those go than the single SKUs, even like some of our best-selling SKUs, because people like to buy them in sets. They like to have a group of things together. And it's also a, it's a really nice gift to receive because it feels impactful when you get it. Right. Oh my God, I love this. Okay, so you've just opened my eyes up to a whole new category of ways <laughs> that brushes can be yeah. enjoyed. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Um, this is I'm so excited. I'm mean, so excited <laughs> to meet you, to know that yeah. there's like real humans who are super passionate <laughs> behind this brand. It's beautiful. And my first experience with the brand Beyond Social was um, at Cosbar. Yeah. Oh. And I, I think I might have mentioned to you, like I love secret shopping. Like it's yeah. sort of like totally. my little hobby. And I secret shopped in there. And I went into the door um, in downtown. I can't, can't remember yeah. the name of the mall. Um, in Brookfield? Yeah, Brookfield. Yeah. And um, I went in intentionally saying, I want something new. Maybe it was a concealer, but I don't want to spend a lot of money. Yeah. Right? I want to right. give them a challenge because sure. everything there is yeah. so expensive. And um, she applied the concealer to me using one of your brushes. And then she's like, okay, do you want the product? I'm like, sure. Because you know, she picked something mid-range. Sure. I'm like, but I want the brush too. And she was really surprised. Because yeah. right, it's not inexpensive, yeah. right? It sure. didn't fit my criteria, but it felt so good. Yeah. Right? It felt like... It felt like an esthetician's hands on my face, yeah. right? It gave me that kind of um, connectivity that you know people long for. And that's how it should be. Like, you know, it, everybody jokes like it hurts to be beautiful. Surgery, everything that you do for your skin and your body, but hopefully this part isn't. Like, it should feel beautiful to be made beautiful right, right. <laughs> in whatever that means to you. And that experience should be a positive one, not something that feels stressful or be meditative. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Lee and Jeremy. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.